everyone. Welcome to the Nitty Gritty of Real Estate Podcast. Today we're starting our mini series on going from renter to landlord. This is episode one. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the Nitty Gritty of Real Estate Podcast. Today we are discussing should I buy or stay written? I'm Daniel Strickler and this is Mr. Tom Krieger. Tom, can you please tell me, should I buy or stay written? What are some of the drawbacks? Would you mind elaborating for me? Well, as a real estate agent for 42 years, Dan, I will tell you without a doubt that owning property is the wiser move, okay? Even if you are moving on in your age like I am, owning property is still better than renting, okay? Now, why is that? There's please tell me. There's a lot of things that are involved in that type of a, a statement. I'm going to lay out a few, but there's a lot more than I'm than I'm going to lay out because constraints of time. Number one, when you rent, you're always susceptible to rising rent rates. See, the rents will always go up because the costs for the landlord are always going up. Property taxes are going up. Insurance rates are going up. Maintenance costs are going up. The fact that right now we have supply chain issues. So you oh, yeah. can't possibly get a, maybe a cheaper type of uh, appliance to put in. You may have to buy a higher appliance, higher price appliance to put in. So the landlord is going to make that money up in the raising of the rents after the lease is up. Obviously, most places you can't raise the the lease rate until the lease is over. And typically right now, what we're st seeing is anywhere from 15 to 25% wow. increase in prices and rents. So if you look at, I've got a thousand dollar rent this year, next year it could be 1,250. But you know, when you own a home and your mortgage payment's a thousand dollars, it's a thousand dollars a month for 30 years. If you have a 30 year note. That's a great way to think about it. Yeah. So you are not at the mercy of rising rent rates. That's one of the main reasons why you want to own. Another one is that you have appreciation, okay? In a rental situation, you as the renter are not benefiting from the appreciation value of the property that you're living in. Oh, and by the way, your rent is making the mortgage payment for the landlord. So the landlord's pocket is getting full while yours gets emptied, right? You're paying the rent, you're paying the rent, you're Absolutely. paying the rent. The landlord is getting appreciation, appreciation, appreciation. So in some cases around the United States over the last two years, they've averaged about 15 to 17% per year of appreciation. So on a $200,000 home, that home has gone up anywhere from 60 to $70,000 in a two year period of time. Guess what the, what the tenant got? How much Zero. is that? I, I bet they didn't get anything. Absolutely <laughs> nothing, right? Yeah. So if you, if I was standing there and I said, hey, Daniel, you can have $0 or $70. I'm going to take the 70 all day, Most Tom. people would, right? <laughs> yeah. Most people would. Yes, sir. So again, you, you start asking questions like, you know, should I buy or should I stay renting? This is This are reasons why I'm telling people they should be buying right now. Another thing is <clears throat> when you rent, you are limiting your availability to save money. And some of that money that you're saving could go for your kid's education. It could go to purchase a new vehicle. 
When you're renting, if it goes up 15 to 20% next year, that's 15, 20% less of the rent money that you could be putting towards even the down payment of a house, right? So renting limits your ability to save. Also, if you are buying versus renting, buying now with today's dollars are going to give you more of an asset than buying tomorrow with tomorrow's dollars. What do you mean about that? Tell okay. me more, please. So let me share a little bit what I mean by that. With inflation on the rise, you know, your purchasing power right now for your dollar is greater. I'm buying a gallon of gasoline now at $4 a gallon. Next year, it may be $4.50. Okay. So in order to buy that gallon of gasoline, I'm going to need more dollars. But if I bought the gasoline today, it's cheaper. Okay. So gasoline, obviously, you can't store. But it's an example. I buy a house now versus buying a house in the future. I am going to get more house for the dollars I have than I will in the future because it's going to cost me more for the same house. Okay? All right. When you own a property and it's a tangible asset, meaning that um, it increases in value and that increasing of value with personal property will allow you to save for your future. Okay, let's talk about the $70,000 we talked about before, right? Please. That $70,000 now is your money, right? Now, you don't physically have it, but you have it in the asset. Just like when you put $70,000 in the bank, you don't physically have it, it's in the bank, yeah. right? Well, your house becomes your bank. Two years later, that 70 is 140. Two years later, you see, where I'm going with this, it's almost a forced savings plan when you own a home. The appreciation of the house keeps rising. You keep having a greater equity position in the house. Two years from now, you're paying probably 25 to 30% more for the rent payment. Four years from now, you're probably paying 60% more than you're paying now for your rent payment, wow. right? Wow. But when, again, when you look owning at the a house, it's a fixed fee. It doesn't change, right? So tomorrow's dollars will be less valuable when you pay them out. Right now, they're value, more valuable. But later on, as your wages increase, hopefully your, your wages will increase as you, you know, move forward. We get cost of living allowances or raises, if you will. That money that it takes to pay your mortgage payment now will be less onerous on you in the future. So as you move down the 30-year uh, mortgage scale, it's gonna be less painful for you to make that mortgage payment. What will be wonderful is when you look at the value of your house, your equity position, 20, 30 years down the road, and you see, I have a free and clear house and it's worth a million bucks now. Wow. And I didn't have to save anything. I just rode the appreciation rate out. Now, here is a catch that I want to share with people. As you start developing this equity in your house, don't go and refinance your house and take that money out and go buy a new car. Okay? <laughs> save for that new car. Okay? Don't start using your home like a time machine, a money dispensary, right? Gotcha. Pay your mortgage down, let the appreciation go up, and then you don't have to worry, is there gonna be social security? 
And so you will grow over time your net worth. Now, there is one area where I would say you might want to pull some equity out of your house. And that's to buy another appreciating asset. Now, when you say another house. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Another house. And we will talk about that in future episodes on this mini series we're having. But I'm saying, unless that's what you're doing, okay, or you got some inside information in the stock market and you're going to buy this stock because you know it's going to triple tomorrow because somebody's going to make a, an offer on it. Right. Um, there's no reason to pull that equity out of your home unless you're going to use it to leverage yourself and purchase another investment property and let that investment property build wealth just like this one is building wealth. Okay? You know, that sounds like smart money. So yep. tell me, when you buy, t tell, tell me more about the buying side. So when you're buying real estate, it's important, first of all, that you have the right real estate agent. Oh, absolutely. Talk to somebody who's done it in the past. Talk to somebody who also has the ability to get you the best price, not only for the house, but also for the mortgage. Talk to somebody who can explain to you the entire process so you don't get over leveraged no. in buying a house. In other words, I, I you know, we're gonna have to eat ramen noodles for six months until I can, you know, make enough to afford to pay for the mortgage payment. Don't overextend. There's nothing wrong with buying a starter home. Absolutely. Okay. You don't live in don't need to live in a Taj Mahal. You're in a 900 square foot apartment, buying an 1100 square foot house is a step up. Oh, it's a huge upgrade. You don't upgrade. need to buy a 3000 square foot house. Buy that first house with the intent of, that's not my forever home. Right. This is my starter home. You know, what we're starting to see is this concept that I gotta be in my forever home as my first home. So so you say forever home and, and use it as a starter home, is there, a a typical average that people stay in a home? Well, you know, that average moves all over the board. It used to be when I started in this business 42 years ago, it was about six years and every people were moving every six years. Right. Then it went to eight years, then it went to 10 years, and right now it's about 13 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. right now it's about an average of about 13 years people stay in their homes. Now, as the baby boomers start to move out of their home, we're seeing more transactional movement within the population. Okay. So millennials, Gen Zers, we expect them to move a little bit more often because of relocation uh, for jobs, the desire not to work at the company, but to work from home. Um, we're seeing a lot of people that are in what we call transitory type of employment. Okay. Military is one of them. Okay. Okay. Yes. Uh, Border Patrol would be another one of them. A lot of the government agencies are moving people around too, along with, you know, companies now are moving from state to state because they're avoiding taxes or certain types of laws. So you've got, you know, this airplane company moving to this state and this uh, micro microbrewery moving to another state. And when that happens, people move with the, with the company. So we're seeing a lot of that transitional moving. So that's where we believe it's going to start coming down from 13 years, maybe to seven to eight years. Okay. Right? I know that that's great information. Yeah. Now, another reason why you should buy instead of renting is because you can start 
what we call the generational wealth building for your legacy, okay? And that generational wealth building is where you can acquire real estate, not only your primary residence, but other investment properties. And the tax codes are such that you can pass that wealth on to your downline genetically. Okay. Okay. Your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. It's easier to pass that type of wealth and avoid taxes than it is other investments. So real estate in general is a great way to build generational wealth and then pass that generational wealth on down. Especially if it's going to grow in value. Exactly. I mean, it, it'd be silly not to. Just kind of run it through your head. I'm buying a house and it's going to be my house. And in five years, I am going to make it a rental property. And in five years, we, my wife and I decide to have a child, right? That rental house now becomes the property of my child. So when my child gets to a certain age, we transfer the ownership to the child. And then the child has that for as long as the child is alive. Think of the value how that will go up as long as you maintain the property. Oh, and we'll talk about property maintenance and things of that nature in an upcoming episode in this mini series. But it, that's the way you pass it on. And there are other, I mean, always tack, talk to a tax advisor, okay? Absolutely. You got to have a great you CPA. The 35,000 foot view, guys. You know, make sure you check with your attorneys and your and your tax preparers. And even even I would say also talk to your uh, asset managers, okay? The, the people who are managing your assets, if you have them, okay? But again, you can't pass on the rental house you're living in, right? No, you cannot. No. No. To me, the best way to develop generational wealth, and it's what I've done, is to own real estate. It sounds pretty simple. I, I, I love your plan. Yeah. Mr. Krieger, thank you very much for your time today. Definitely appreciate the information. Folks, stay tuned for part two of this mini-series. We look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you for listening and watching the Nitty Gritty of Real Estate podcast here with the Tom J. Krieger team of Keller Williams, Southern Arizona. If you are interested in buying a home, selling a home, or even investing in real estate, we have 5,000 agents across the country that we can connect you to. If you need any free resources, feel free to check out our website at www.thetjkteam.com. We hope you have a great day.